0: Jesus I crave to know you and to know you will satisfy my soul Hey everyone thanks for tuning in this is episode number 105 and today i want to discuss a topic that uh, came across in thought one day and um pray that it's a blessing and that it it's ministers to your heart in a in just an abundance of love that god has for us and his desire for us so thank you for taking the time to join me on this on those all across the world Uh, i appreciate you i pray that um you're having a wonderful day um and even if uh, times are difficult for you where you are i pray that god would just open your heart to the to the beauty and majesty of his word of his speaking Uh, that our hearts would be readied and primed to hear the things in which the Spirit wants to uh, communicate to us individually where we are. So uh, I just bless you and thank you for coming with me today. So I'm titling this one, um, which is a break from my first uh, part of talking through revival history. This was something that's been pressing in my heart to share, um, and I am excited to do so. Um, but it is. I'm going to title it, I guess, the Sabbath of God. So, uh, we we have a, a an Old Testament idea of the Sabbath and and what it is. Um, there's. I'd say that if we asked ten different people, we might come up with ten different responses to this. Of what is the Sabbath? What does it mean? Um, what does Sabbath mean? And so. My my hope is that for one, I, I ask that you kind of step out of the framework of thinking that we've we've all clung to, and our preconceived ideas. So I I hope that you could step out of that for for just a moment, you know, in this safe place. Um, my my hope is not to lead you astray or or compromise you or anything like that, but just to to take a minute to. Just let down the baggage of what you believe you know, um, and even myself included, and to just walk with me on this question of um, the Sabbath of God. Now, we have probably heard the, the kind of phrase, I guess, of that God is our Sabbath. Um, he is our rest and the thought came to me as though to question my willingness to to think on this was uh you know god is our sabbath can we be the sabbath of god and and that question struck me and i began to to just to ponder in that and uh m- Really, my initial place to go in scripture was going back to Genesis. And so this is how I want to begin talking about this, navigating through some of Genesis, and then as we make our way into kind of New Testament ideas. So in Genesis, we read, chapter one, we read of the many wonders of God's creation. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now... Notice in that verse, it says God created. Okay, keep that in mind. Notice next that at each day, God said, X, Y, Z, and it came into being. God said, let there be light. And, and so he goes through all of those creative works. But each of those days where what this, quote, work had been done, God said, and then his saying came into being. So God created by speaking or by saying. Now, as we make our way through Genesis 1 and head into Genesis 2, we find that, quote, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, end quote. And then we also read, quote, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, take note that on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Now see this not just simply the absence of working. What if this also meant that he rested upon the seventh day? So remember those those words. On the seventh day he rested resting from all the work of creating he had done now he made the day holy because he blessed it and I am suggesting to you he blessed it and made it holy because he rested upon the seventh day now also notice that God, quote, finished the work. Now this, I cannot help but recall the phrase uttered from the cross of Jesus hung in his last words, it is finished. I can't help but see that as a tie back to the end of God's work of creating, which was speaking or proclaiming. So just as God finished his work in creation and, and it says that he finished the work, I can't help but see the echo of that in the words Christ himself uttered, spoke, or proclaimed. It is finished. So God rested on the seventh day from all his work. Now, again, many of you would probably agree with this but this is not just to say that God stepped away from working when we think about this in reality when when was the last time that we actually considered saying things to be work it's and again many of you probably would align with the statement it, it wasn't as though God was it was creating and fashioning all the things of the world and then at the end of it all he was you know wiping his brow because it was hard, laborious, toiling work. Uh, this uh, and we'll get we'll get here um, and hopefully I'm not jumping the gun, kind of going off my uh, scripted path here but um, it says in Hebrews 4, uh, Hebrews chapter four verse three and it says, and yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. Hmm. It's interesting to think of and just kind of as it as it relates here in this moment that the works of God have been finished since the creation of the world but we said when was the last time we considered just saying something saying things to be work so i'm trying to to challenge any thinking that that thinks that that resting on the seventh day is about the absence of work now, it's not to to completely disqualify that statement, but it is to, to challenge a deeper understanding, perhaps, of what it means to rest. Now, we do see resting from the point of view of humanity, because when we rest from work, we are rejuvenated from the toil of effort. Um... You know, even in the 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 discipline that Adam received in his disobedience, God said, "By the sweat of your brow you will bring forth fruit of the earth." So there, you know, there there is from humanity's perspective a a toiling and efforting. But did God become wearied from His toil? In fact. Um and this is something I, probably the scholars would would know better than myself, but in the Mosaic law, were there actually restrictions around speaking because we see you know we do find later on when when Moses brings forth the 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 law and the directions that are given um, there there is some specifics around the uh, the sabbath day and keeping it holy and and again i'm no um, expert in this by any means but there are quite a number of restrictions in uh, in jewish culture regarding a um, certain criteria that qualify or disqualify something from being work now i'd love to hear if this is the case from those who know Uh, send me an email or message, but is there in the Mosaic law restrictions from speaking? Because that is, in fact, what God did was he spoke. So even though that was the, quote, work that God performed. So what I want to propose is rather than just a resting on the Sabbath to mean absent of work, that it actually communicates that God is resting or abiding on or upon the seventh day. God abiding on the seventh day did two things. It said in the, earlier, it, it blessed the day and made the day holy. It was the, the abiding presence of God that rested upon the seventh day that blessed it and made it holy. I hope that sparks are beginning to fly in your heart and mind about how that relates to humanity who has the opportunity to become the abiding place of God. Um, So, moving on, so if if God resting on the seventh day or the Sabbath day means more than the absence of working, then what more can it mean? many of you would agree that the Sabbath is a time of reflection upon all that God has done and is currently doing in the sense of our humanity. We could even suggest that it's about a break from toil to enjoy the work of the week, or even meditation upon God, etc. All these considerations of Sabbath are good and fine. But what if there is more, not for the sake of more, but for the sake of more completely discerning the purpose and heart behind something? Why did the seventh day get the honor of blessing from God? Why was the Sabbath holy? I am proposing that it is because God rested upon the day. Now, you astute Bible scholars and listeners may be saying, Now, Danny, the Bible says God rested from all the work. And you may think that I'm being loose with Scripture. Now, God rested from work, and that is different than to say God rested upon the day. And, and that is... An astute observation and a great question. So, if we remember back to the verse, So, on the seventh day, he, God, rested from all his work. So, that's Genesis 2, 2. And true, there is not an explicit statement, but there is also not one in a verse that we have taken to mean something of the same nature with its implied meaning. So example, Matthew 4, 17, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, explicitly, there is a turning from sin. So that word repent, there is a turning from sin, but implicitly there is also a turning to God. So built in, There is a this there's both a from and an unto. So from sin and unto God. So repent from sin. That's turn from sin. Change the way you think. Turn unto God. And I believe that there is a discovery within this idea of the Sabbath, the seventh-day rest. God rested from the work and upon the day so god resting upon the day itself made it holy a lot of times we a lot of times we forget that of all that god does for us and to us and upon us the most excellent and wonderful thing that god can do is give us himself now, if we look and start migrating more towards some more, some more New Testament realities, I think in John 1.32, we read this. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Now, not only did the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, rest upon Jesus... He also remained upon Jesus. That's a unique detail that the writer John gives us in this account of John the Baptist. Be careful we distinct distinguish those two Johns because they are different. So Jesus was the first resting place of the Spirit. He's think of the firstborn among many brothers. It's the same idea of the abiding place for the Spirit of God. It's comparable to the change, the switch from visiting to habitating. It's an Old Testament example. It's the Shunammite woman and her husband who made a room in their house for Elisha to stay in when he would pass by their way instead of just come to eat a meal with him. They put Elisha on the roof. Notice that's the highest place in their house, and so the Spirit, here, what we read in John one, the Spirit rested upon Jesus. Now, we often we we see Jesus too as the last Adam. You know the the first Adam let allowed. The, the breakdown of the divine relationship between man and God and Jesus God in the flesh took upon himself this the skin of humanity and became that which that which humanity could not could not uh, obtain and and conquer themselves so that we often call Jesus the last Adam sometimes you hear the second Adam um, but Nevertheless, it's it's this idea of abiding, this resting upon. Now, I know some will be struggling with this idea of resting versus Sabbath. How do these two words connect? And... This is where we have to disconnect, not stop thinking, but we have to disconnect what we, how we understand maybe about the Sabbath. And as we mentioned those things earlier, all the different components of the Sabbath, what does it accomplish and what does it do? And those are all great and and, and fine. But there is. There is a connection, and I'm probably doing it terribly, but I believe there to be a connection between a Sabbath rest. We hear this language used in in Hebrews, which we will come to here in the, shortly. There is a Sabbath rest, and then there is a resting of God upon a uh, a child of his. And so I think there is a connection between, between these two rests. And so just pressing on here, remember on the sixth day when God is creating um, throughout this creative narrative, God creates man and he breathes into his nostrils the breath or the pneuma or s- spirit of God. And he became a living being. So God created man. Then, on the seventh day, he rested. God created his dwelling place and then rested upon and within it and the seventh day testifies to this rest, as I propose to you, God resting upon the seventh day, the Sabbath i I can't help to but to to envision a picture of you know david has this tabernacle and this tabernacle is mobile it it moves from place to place it's it's not established in the sense of fixed in a fixed place as god moved the tabernacle moved and david was it was in his heart to build god a temple a a house and that so blessed the heart of god that, That he said, you know what, David, I'm going to actually build you a house. And we read in elsewhere that God had defined why it would be that David was not to build the house. He was a man of war. He had much blood on his hands. But that his son would build the house. And that was Solomon. Solomon. And we do know that David prepared all the all the things because Solomon was young, and and didn't have quite the skill or the insight um, to do such a great feat. So David assisted him. Think I hope you might be thinking about this intergenerational legacy that we can build for our for our children. And there's this coordinated effort between fathers and sons and And how desperate we are uh, in our day for that. But this tabernacle, this mobile thing in which God dwelled in. Now Solomon comes along through the help of his father David, builds this just incredible, fixed, stationary house for God. And what does what and it, when everything is just right, what does Solomon do? they bring in the ark of God. They bring in the ark to the temple and God himself fills the temple. We know that the ark is this this picture, this um, even more than just a symbol, but at, that's just the language that I have in the moment. But we know the ark as this picture of God's presence. And Oh, goodness, think about the the New Testament idea of we, the body of Christ, His temple, and this ark is pr- the presence of God, and the presence of God comes into this Solomon's temple, this fixed place, this new creation, and the the ha- the ark is set in there, and it fills the temple. So there. It is profound to consider the the implications of that. but I hope you can't help but see this new temple in which God has built through the person of Jesus Christ and His life, death, and resurrection. and and now that presence of God is being brought into us, the new temples of God, and indwelled and filled. With his spirit and his presence, it's it's such a wonderful um, picture of what would come via the cross. Goodness. So God created, remember, on the sixth day, God created man, and he became a living being. And then on the seventh day he rested. God created his dwelling place. Then, he rested upon and within it. So we see that even in the creative narrative. We see that in even in the picture and the narrative of David through Solomon and Solomon through the temple. And the seventh day testifies to this rest. He rested upon the seventh day from the work he had done. Now, the body of Christ, we're still now we're talking here more new covenantal era. The, the body of Christ is built upon the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone, the most important stone that orients all the other stones. In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. This is Ephesians 2, 20 through 21. But don't miss the verse 22, which says, And in him you too are being built together to become a, here it is, dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. We are are the resting place of God. The writer of Hebrews chapter four speaks about entering into God's rest. I'm gonna read several verses from this. Therefore, this is Hebrews four, one through 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. So I'll pause here to just say if there's a key to enter into the rest the author just told us it right there we who have believed if you underline or highlight in your bible do that word believed it's believing that allows us to enter into that rest just going on it says just as god has said so i declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest that's a passage out of psalms uh, psalm 95:11 and And the lack of entering into rest would have been the result of unbelief. And yet, going on, the writer says, And yet his works, this is what we read originally, have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. We read that in Genesis 2 verse 2. So here the writer ties in the rest of God and he ties in the seventh day rest from all the work that God had created. Verse 5 says, and again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because, why, of their disobedience God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's out of Psalm 95, 7 and 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So we have available by believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ who is our cornerstone we have available a sabbath rest to enter into but if you're tracking with me you may be asking well how does this bridge into how we are the sabbath rest for god i think john 17:21 is that connector the priestly prayer of jesus who says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The Father, follow this, the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. They are in us and we are in them. Now that's profound. It's also confusing, but it's profound. I think in them and in us are two dimensions. Not just a way to say more extravagantly the, this idea of one. We are both on earth and seated with Christ. That's Ephesians 2.6. These are two dimensions functioning simultaneously. So when I say that he is our rest... And we are his rest. I'm not saying that he needs us, but that he wants us and that he abides in us. We are his temple. Homes are a resting place. If we are his temple, his presence abides in us. We are his resting place. If if the Sabbath is rest and he rests in us, then we are a Sabbath unto God or for God. Now, please do not hear pride or arrogance or self-exaltation of godhood for humanity. No, this is a reminder of the ridiculous and scandalous love and desire that God has for his children, that we would be able to call him father. And that he would abide and remain in and upon us. Now, if you have not put your faith, trust, hope in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, today is the day. It is only by the name of Jesus that humanity can be saved. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Believing implies taking who he is at his word and stepping forth in that reality throughout your life. You see, you submit your life to him and follow his direction through his written word, the Bible, and through his act of speaking today. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. When God's grace is extended and mixed with your faith you are saved the bible says for by grace are you saved through faith not of works lest any man should boast so i ask see god's extended grace and lay hold of it through belief in faith of the only name who can save jesus pray this is a blessing pray that that god just multiplies this in your heart that it, it just explodes into love and passion and desire and i will see you next time if it means I'm close to you, i would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you